This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Okay, hello and welcome to the Blueprint Review Podcast. Uh, this is episode 33. We're, it's a bit of a, it's a bit weird tonight's podcast. It, it is Halloween that we're um, that we're recording and it is 11 o'clock at night. We're doing a bit of a spooky Halloween special. <laughs> Only because we couldn't actually record early enough. We're but... doing this naked in the dark. Oh yeah. And it's uh, just uh, the three uh, gentlemen this evening. Uh, uh... <laughs> Why do you have to make everything sound so <laughs> sleazy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just, just the kind of guy I am, but no, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's me, Dave, as usual, uh, Darren, and we have uh, guesting. Uh, who, well, you've been on before, actually, but it's, it's quite a lot. Da- I mean, yeah, me, I mean, me and Damo did all the can, oh, the podcasts. can yeah, because yeah, we've got a, a Damien, Mr. Damien Beedham. Good evening, um, yeah, evening. Uh, yeah, but Lindsay is there was a horror show at Carrow Road earlier. You what? No, forget, right. it, forget that. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not get into football, but no, um. Lindsay's busy with a sort of, a, what are they called again? A theatre company that she works for. Kabosh. Give him a plug. Uh, yeah, and Laura's going to bed because <laughs> it's too late. So, yeah, we're gonna, just going to crack on, talk horror. Um, I've been to a film festival, so I'll probably talk a lot. Damo's been to... Damo, you, you went to see a few things at London, didn't you? Yeah, I went to see a few things at London Film Festival. So, yeah, I'll be chatting about that later on. So, but yeah, latest stuff, couple of festivals, and obviously our theme this week, textbook, but got to do it and yeah horror yeah and uh i don't know about you damo but me and darren have seen skyfall i might have a chat about that as well no i've not seen it actually so i'll be interested to hear your your takes on it okay cool me and dave are usually like polar opposites but i think we're, we're well it's weird we're, we're, we agree on the quality <laughs> we of the agree film the quality, but disagree but, on yeah. the detail but we'll get we'll weird. get to that later um <clears throat> but obviously we're gonna i've got a lot to kind of chat through and you know so just very quickly is there anything that coming, you know, kind of trailers that people have seen that are excited by. Or... Yeah, I was going to mention there's there's um, two. There's always I, I never have one, <laughs> but there there are two trailers that I thought were vaguely interesting. Uh, the first was um, the Ted trailer for Evil Dead. I must admit, I've only, the remake. I must yeah. admit, I've only seen the bootleg version, but I think that I imagine the new one that's come out is the same, just not shitty quality. Um, but has anyone else seen that? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's weird. I mean, when they first announced it, I was like. No, this is just wrong. But watching the trailer, I don't know, I haven't quite decided, but it does look like they've, they're sort of at least going in the right direction. The gore's, like, brutal. It looks really, like, grisly um, and over the top, which is, like, what the first Evil Dead was, like, pretty nasty, but over, but so over the top, it's sort of, it's kind of almost fun. Oh, the first one isn't that fun, actually. It is pretty, pretty nasty. Um, so it sort of looks like it could be interesting, because it, it still is... It doesn't look like every other horror film, but it doesn't look like it's exactly the same as the original. So I'm intrigued, but at the same time, it almost looks maybe a little too gruesome. It might not be that entertaining. It might be a bit of a chore, but um, I don't know. I'm intrigued. What does, what does anyone else think? Yeah, I mean, because it's obviously very serious, isn't it? Obviously, you think of like another Evil Dead film, It ended up each episode ended up getting more comic and brilliantly so, I, I think. But yeah. And this is like a very serious take on the film yeah. um i don't know very serious it looks so over the top it might maybe 
not serious serious, but it looks more a lot more grim, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's taking itself seriously yeah, in yeah, terms of the. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I'm not one. I was really excited by it, but no. you know, yeah, well, I don't but know. The, we'll, the trailer see. got me more interested than I originally thought. Mm. Um, I wish it was Evil Dead Four yeah, with Bruce yeah. Campbell. I'd prefer that. That it would be awesome. They well, are involved, like I think, exec producing, producing it. Like yeah, that. but um, it doesn't mean much. It's like it's like oh, what was it? I was in the cinema um, yesterday and overheard some guys. There was a poster for the Man with the Iron Fists. This sort of action movie. That's like Quentin Tarantino film. Well, it's presented by him. Exactly. So. But that's what I mean. That's yeah. what people say. And he's like, oh, oh wow, Quentin I didn't realise he's bringing out two films at the same time. It's like, well, yeah, it's no. people are fucking idiots. <laughs> fucking just retarded. But yeah, anyway. Uh, but speaking of... Uh, the only time that I would say that I can think of where actually that sort of scenario is accurate is probably Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That is, I don't give a fuck. Who directed that? That is Tim yeah. Burton's film. But at least he did a bit more, I think, with some of these presents they're, films. They're not even producing. It's usually like, post as well. It's usually afterwards. Yeah, they're just, it's like, I can remember his name was attached to Hero just because he helped bring it to America. Yeah, he exactly, had yeah. To do with the film. Same with Lasseter with some Ghibli yeah. stuff and things like yeah. that. But. Yeah. But yeah, and speaking of unnecessary remakes, uh, the other trailer which I thought might be interesting to chat about briefly is Carrie, the new Carrie. Yeah. Um, the cast looks very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know, again, it's like, do we really need it? The trailer doesn't show a lot. Um, the only thing I would say about the trailer, because I've, I've read the book, and um, although the original, the sort of 70s Brian De Palma film is very close to the book, the what it doesn't quite capture, um, because it was the 70s, they didn't have the budget, and I imagine all the sort of <laughs> special effects, but they didn't don't quite get the scale of what happens in the end of the book. The end of the book is just almost like creates hell on earth it's like she tears the whole town and burns it down to the ground pretty much whereas in the film ruin the ending well (laughs) but in the in the film it's not even finished being made and you ruin (laughs) the ending (laughs) (laughs) but no but but in the original film it's a little bit more small scale it's more just like the prom and and the house and all this sort of stuff um and the trailer there it doesn't show a lot the trailer but what it does show is it does seem to have uh, hit this sort of epic destruction. It's more like a teaser, isn't it? It's like yeah, slow it's zoom in in it from from far. So, and you can um, see the town all being Yeah, so destroyed. that's the only thing that possibly is the cast and the fact that it looks like they're going to town with the finale. It suggests it could be interesting, but I don't know. It, it looks very slick, the trailer, and I don't know. Slick remakes are always sort of equal. Not always, but just in the back of my head, it always makes it just more obvious that it's just like a, ooh, a new modern sort of corporate sort of let's just remake it with better special effects sort of thing rather than maybe trying something new with it so but I don't know we'll we'll see but those are the two trailers that I uh, is there anything coming up that you're looking forward to Demo? Um, I haven't seen that many trailers recently the only one I have seen actually is the latest uh, latest trailer for the new um, Tarantino film mm. Django Unchained um, I really don't know what to kind of uh, what to make of it really I'm a bit kind of I don't know what to make of Tarantino in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's going to go either way. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Bits of it I kind of like. Bits of it I just make me make me cringe watching the trailer. And, um, but I'll kind of go go into the film with an open mind. I'm kind of intrigued by it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a funny one. We've, we've sort of had a little bit of this debate before. It's like, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm on the fence. But because to be honest, I quite enjoy Tarantino's films. I enjoy enjoy most of his later ones as well. But I think it's it's that case of where 
think when he started off, he was like a real cutting edge like filmmaker and stuff, mm. and people were like, wow, he's like second coming. But his his last few films have been more. For me, I I I don't I like his films, his latest films, because he's just sort of doing what he wants to do. And for me, that's like okay, fair enough. It's like if 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 you enjoy making this these sort of more like they're almost like fan films. It's like if you enjoy it, that's fine. And to be honest, I have a similar taste in movies to he than he does. And so I I enjoy his latest films. But yeah, I agree. They're maybe not quite as interesting or cutting edge or new as 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 maybe some of his first couple were. But um. But yes, yeah, so, so I don't know. I guess I'm not sitting, but I, do, I am. I am a fan of his, his latest stuff. But at the same time, I'm not one of these people who thinks everything <coughs> he makes these days is genius and all this. Some, mm. A lot of people kiss his ass way too much. When really, in my mind, the films he's making now, I enjoy them a lot. But I don't think they're masterpieces. I think it's him sort of just enjoy, He's got the money and resources to make mm. what he wants, and that's what he's doing. And I don't mind that. I'm like, whatever, fair enough. Good on you. I am not. I do, I'm going to make a really weird comparison. He reminds me of Jim Carrey, <laughs> yeah. right? When Jim Carrey first came out, like what <clears throat> he could do with his comedy was kind of really fresh. And it was like, he's amazing. Like Ace Ventura, when that first came out, it was amazing. You'd never really seen anything like that from, from a physical mm. performer. And, and then he did obviously that, and then The Mask, and it's like, it's amazing. And then when you watch him gurning his fucking face off now, it's just embarrassing. Yeah. But the problem is, when you go back and watch Ace Ventura, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah, because he's because he's lost, because it's, it. yeah, and I kind of think the same about Tarantino. When it first came out, it was fresh, it was great. But then you go back and watch his early, like, watch Reservoir Dogs recently. The, same, was, yeah. the dialogue, yeah. just you know, like obviously like, like that kind of superhero monologue he does in Kill Bill, but felt so forced that textbook kind of pop culture reference sort of Tarantino dialogue. But then I watch Reservoir Dogs recently, and then when the, the kind of conversations they're having, it's so clipped and it's so. Force. I just think I just don't think it's aged well. Pulp Fiction still has. That's still the shining light. It's the only good thing he's done, in my opinion. Not good thing. It's the only amazing thing he's done. Yeah. And I just feel now I go back and watch his early stuff. I'm never a massive fan in the first place, but I watch it now and I'm just like, mm, it's just it's almost like a parody of himself. Yeah. At the same time, it's, especially with Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction. I don't know if it, is it is it just a case of a lot of other people have ripped him off. Yeah. I'll pop, yeah. Absolutely. It. It's because so we've seen we've, like we've like heard we know the rhythms of his dialogue. Yeah. We know the the ref, we know he's, it's going to be filled with all these references. So it doesn't feel fresh. It doesn't. It feels. Yeah. I guess know, the, dated, uh, I think, yeah. Uh, that yeah. I guess that's definitely true of a lot of his stuff. It's it's not that timeless. It was mm. more sort of. At the time, it was like, hence the breath of fresh air, but now it's a bit like, okay. But then someone like Simpsons, I don't know why I'm calling Simpsons, but Simpsons obviously is very referential and things like that. Yeah. That is timeless. But I, don't know, I don't understand the difference. I don't know why. Yeah. But what I think is because Simpsons is genuinely genius, but, mm. and but I think he was, yeah, whatever. I don't know what... Yeah. Yeah, I still look we'll forward see. to his films. I, I, but, but more like, like I said, more, I just, I just, I just, I just quite just, enjoy them. I just think they're fun, yeah. but I don't think... Very they, simple now, yeah, aren't they? Just, but... His last few films, I've, although I've enjoyed them, they've not necessarily been ranked up there in, in the great sort of thing. Although I was a big Kill Bill fan, that's only because I'm a massive martial arts movie fan. But but yeah, anyway, random sidetrack. We're we definitely not talking about Star Wars at all. We can. No. <laughs> well, Damon, obviously you're not a big Star Wars fan. We'll be very quick about this, but why are you so objected to it? Aren't you pleased, if anything, that it's being passed away from George Lucas? He's still being involved, though, by the sounds of things. Well, yeah, I mean, he's obviously still going to be heavily involved as a creative consultant. But no, I just think the whole, um, you know, I'm not a fan of Star Wars originally. What I find strange is, is from people like you who are, who are such huge fans of it, 
being excited by by kind of more of it. I thought I thought especially I, know, I guess with the with the other three prequels or sequels or whatever they were. Um, I mean, to be honest, I only actually saw uh, the Phantom Menace, and I thought it was awful. And I didn't watch the other two, so I can't really comment on them. But I would kind of imagine if I was such a huge fan of something from the originals, and then it was made such a mess of, I would kind of not want it to be touched again. Um, well, there's two, well, two things. One, I mean, as a you know, obviously I'm a massive fan. I actually really, really, really like the prequels. I think they're really underrated films for what they are. They're obviously flawed to buggery, but I think they firstly are flawed to buggery. Now, but at the same time, even if you hated them, there is almost that glimmer of hope, isn't there? Always is that the universe is so is massive, mm. absolutely massive. There's so much potential in the franchise that actually the idea that they could get some really fucking interesting writers on board and directors who wouldn't want to direct a Star Wars film? Yeah, that's what I was talking about on Facebook. Is there's so many film sort of sort of decent filmmakers who are ma- obviously massive fans of Star Wars and reference it all the time. It's like some some of those sort of guys could, could do a fairly good job. Yeah, I know so- you would disagree with me, but someone like Joss Whedon... No, I like he, Joss he Whedon, makes decent but blockbusters, he's very silly. It would yeah. worry me greatly if he did it, because I would just think, oh my God, there's going to be... It would For me, I like Star Wars when it's dark. Yeah, okay. That's all. But, yeah. you know, whatever, I don't know. But I just think there's, there's a lot of potential there. And because you love it, it's one of those things where... You want more, but sometimes you, sh- you shouldn't want more. You know what I mean? You want more because you love it, but sometimes it can destroy it. Yeah. You want but, um, more cake. Cake's good, but sometimes you can have too much cake. That, yeah, and you throw up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I this could be the uh, tip, tip, the wafer thin mint that tips me <laughs> over the edge. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm intrigued. I don't know if I'm mega excited, but I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah. It all we'll depends see. on who they get to write it, is yeah. the first thing. Who's writing it? And then I think obviously- we run the whole game at here from being uh, not 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 interested at all to make mildly intrigued to, to very excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, exactly. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'm sure, but um, we'll see. That's, that's well, good of you, them. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're chatting shit. I don't even want to chat about trailers. Yeah, God, yeah, we're 15 minutes in. We started on film reviews, but yeah, cool. <laughs> do you want me to just <laughs> churn out my? Should we do the festivals? Yeah, should we do the festival? Churn it, Dave. Say. Come on, right. levity. I won't. I'll try and be brief because I just, I just, just before I went to the cinema tonight, I, uh, I posted a write up anyway. But my, my write up was brief anyway. So, uh, but yeah, basically, I went to see, I went to sell the old screams. So yeah, can't even say it. Yeah, Dave, brevity, remember? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a horror festival in Sheffield. Uh, it's been running the last few years. Um, yeah, and I went to see that. Uh, and I'm just going to run through what I saw in order, pretty much. Uh, the festival kicked off with Sightseers, which might provoke oh. a bit of a debate. We've, uh, I've been discussing this film for more than anything before I've even seen it, because um, you two saw it in Cannes and hated it. Um, but I, I've, I've always been a big fan of Ben Wheatley. I liked um, Dan Terrace. Uh, it's, not, it's flawed, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, Killist I absolutely loved. And... Uh, so I was very excited about this, but you guys <laughs> slagged it off so much, I, I just wasn't sure what to where to go with it. And and yeah, and I, and I watched it on on Friday night, and I I quite liked it, but I like obviously liked it a lot more than you guys. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was 
I thought it was all right. It's it fairly decent, but it's it was nowhere near as good as his other films. It felt a bit slight, and it felt like I mean he did a Q and A afterwards, and he was saying how this was more of a palate cleanser, and and you can see it's very cheap and stuff. Like that. I, it does feel like he just wanted to just um, almost the same way as I don't know if anyone's seen um, Shane Meadows' film uh, Le Donk and Scorsese, mm-hmm. where it's like he just got a bit of money together and thought I'm just gonna make this film for a laugh sort of thing. It does have that sort of feel to it. It feels very slight and there's uh, not a huge amount of drama to it. But at the same time, I did enjoy it. I know you guys didn't find it funny at all, but I wouldn't say I was like laughing out loud and stuff like that, but I did find it uh, amusing. <laughs> and... I found the whole thing embarrassing. I know, I've kind of gone through it before on the on the Cannes podcast. Mm. Um, I didn't particularly like Kill List, but at least it's a proper <clears throat> film, whereas I thought um, Sightseers, it just looked bad... Uh, you know, everything about it was bad. The writing was poor. The directing was weak. Didn't like the performances. It just wasn't coherent. Makes sense. It just wasn't funny. It was just like bad, really bad TV. It wasn't a proper film. Um, I really can't think why it's getting positive reviews. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I think the reviews have been a bit over the top. But as I say, it did work for me. I don't know how the you say the performances and things like that. I think he does. It's got a very odd tone, and obviously, it's very over the top. And sort of larger than life, but I didn't mind that. It sort of worked to me. I liked, I liked the main sort of woman. I found it quite. Like she sort of helped keep everything together. You sort of did feel sorry for her because a lot of the film is really the film's really about her loneliness and how easily manipulated she is, and it's about her finding her sort of voice and and, and things like that, and and uh, stop being led by these sort of monsters like her mother and and this guy who this mentalist who, who she's with, and. Uh, and I thought she worked quite well. It's, it's obviously not a, not like a, a sort of a subtle, sort of a realistic performance, but you can, that's not really the tone they're going for. But, but I don't know. It, I it mean, that's just, I said this to you before, on Dave. I think the whole film rests on that, of that on that tone of yeah. that kind of heightened, not heightened, ridiculous performance <laughs> style and the kind of dialogue and things like that. It's like, if you tap into that, you'll probably enjoy it. And if you don't, you'll hate it. I think it's just simple as yeah. that. I just, like Damo, I, I hated <clears> them. The tone for me just was too much. It was just ridiculous. I just didn't find anything funny. It was, it was it's the humour I hate. That it was so forced. It was you could see them writing jokes. They're stand-up comedians, aren't they? The kind of two people who yeah, they wrote. And it, I yeah. just I don't know. You can just see the. I, in, but I'm not a massive fan of that kind of style. So mm. it's like, and if you do, you know, you clearly find it funny. And even when we was at Cannes, a lot yeah. of people clearly found it funny. And it was voted. Um, I mean, there were fifteen. 15 films shown at the festival um or 14 one of them was a set of shorts and uh and that that was voted uh second best film of the festival by the audience so <laughs> clearly people are enjoying it but yeah i did but yeah i wasn't blown away by it i must admit it'll probably be his most successful one yeah probably Fucking... they're, they're re-releasing down terrace in cinemas be- because this has been getting a good word of mouth actually <laughs> um which is interesting but uh, right, so when yeah. this anyway, brief, this that's brief, one. yeah, that's one. But obviously, that was always going to get yeah. people talking. Uh, the next film we saw was Nightbreed, the Cabal Cut. Um, basically, somebody's uh, a guy, a British guy, has gone back to uh, Clive Barker's film made in uh, about 1990 or whenever it was, and uh, and re-edited it from because the, the original film was butchered. The the studio absolutely butchered it from what Clive Barker wanted and just turned it into a completely different film. And what this guy's done is he found a work print of the film on VHS and he's basically used this sort of really poor quality 
uh, footage and splice it together with the existing footage to create uh, a film that's more in line with what Clive Barker wanted and what's and what's more in line is the original book that's based on um, Cabal. Um, so... Um, so obviously, presentation-wise, it's not been remastered and stuff. He doesn't, he couldn't get access to the original footage. It's just got this VHS, so it looks, it looks horrible. Um, half of it, it keeps jumping between the sort of proper thirty-five what? mil stuff and that. So it's, it's, it's an odd experience. He's only really shown it at festivals. What he's going to try and do is by sort of gauging people's interest in festival, he's going to try and try and talk the studio into giving him the footage to to make it. A proper a proper cut of it um yeah and and it's interesting it's interesting to see because you can obviously tell which bits have been cut out and it's interesting to see what has been cut out and it's interesting to see someone lovingly sort of painstakingly put this thing together so it's interesting to watch but i don't think it's a lost masterpiece at all i think it's it was okay it was enjoyable it's got a lot of imagination some quite creepy sequences david cronenberg plays the bad guy randomly and and does quite a good job he's very softly spoken and creepy sort of thing um, but it's not a masterpiece. It's quite cheesy, um, but yeah. But it is, it is interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, next, next film I saw was Manborg. <laughs> I fucking loved Manborg. It's basically. Oh, I can't remember. When are you a tennis player? <laughs> no. It's basically this. There's this uh, this guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, but he, there's a little group of people who form a minimal crew who make quite a few of these. I think they made a couple of these types of films. It's it's basically like very, very, very silly sort of low budget uh sort of sort of like genre spoof but it's but it's not just an obvious sort of oh let's rip off a martial arts film sort of thing it's like they've thrown every genre they can together and the way it's all presented it's it's sort of purposefully done ludicrously cheaply to look to look they don't try and make it look slick um, it sort of purposely make it look a bit naff, but it's so sort of intense, and there's so much going on, and it's so like garish and stuff. The colours and stuff. It's just it's a bizarre experience, um, but it's definitely not for everyone. People who aren't into sort of silly, low budget sort of comedy type stuff will fucking it's, hate it. It sounds like I would hate but it. <laughs> there's some for me. It was just the energy of it was just insane, and it was just so ridiculous. That I just and the, tonally, they didn't never try to sort of veer away from what they were doing and it just worked for me and I just, I just enjoyed the hell out of it but it, it's ridiculous you've got to watch a film like that in a festival with loads of people did it go laughing. down well yeah yeah it went down well um, but I think if you watch it at home and, and try and analyse it anyway, or watch it on your own it'd be, it'd be terrible but, but I enjoyed that uh, next it was Opera uh, Dario Gento film uh, like most of his films uh, the plot uh, is utter bollocks and uh, the film doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's got some amazing set pieces in it. It looks incredible. Um, so it's sort of entertaining, but it's not one of his better films. Uh, it, it was okay. Um, next up was VHS. Uh, oh, VHS yeah. is a, an anthology film of, of, of found of uh, there's five directors who each make uh, a short sort of 20 minute f- film about uh, using found footage or sort of something similar to found footage like, but low low quality sort of handicam type stuff basically and um and yeah including ty west is one of the directors oh, i can't remember the names of some of the other ones no one like mega famous but a lot of sort of up-and-coming horror directors and and yeah um it was okay like most anthology films it was just 
they, they, I have, don't see many that are brilliant. What I would say about this, it's one of the most consistent ones I've seen. It's in that there weren't any that were just out and out rubbish. Sometimes you get these where you've got a couple of great ones and you've got some shit ones. This was all sort of reasonable, but it was never great. So it was like, oh, okay, it's just sort of okay. And, um, and yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is it, it was interesting to see quite a few different takes on the fan footage genre. There were some interesting spins on it. There was one that, like, was doing a Skype conversation between a, a girl and her boyfriend sort of thing um, who are living apart, and she's basically her house is haunted and stuff. It does get a bit paranormal activity like that film, but um, but the sort of Skype angle was interesting and, and sort of worked. Uh, and uh, Was it like a thread there was, there was, throughout all five? Uh, no, but there was, there was like a, one of the stories um, was sort of like a interspersed with the others that are sort of like an umbrella story and uh, that, that basically these these people break into this house and and because they're supposed to steal this tape and because they'll get paid thousands of pounds thousands of dollars for this tape so that's that caught that fuels the story so basically they they find all these vhs's and they put them in to watch them to see which which oh, so is. there is a thread then so so there is a thread but the actual films themselves are totally nothing yeah, to do but there with is it. But yeah there is this, okay, there yeah. is this thread um and the thread bit didn't work amazingly well. It's it's too shaky cam. It was giving me motion sickness. It's like what the fuck. Um, but yeah, but it's interesting. But it was it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything special. It's because it's been quite hyped up. Um, I wouldn't expect a lot from it. But it's all right. Uh, the next up was Cell Count, which is easily the weakest film of the festival. It was just dull. It was like a body horror sort of Cronenberg influence type thing. And there's one or two sequences which are quite messed up and sort of interesting. But it was just it was very slow and it ends awfully because it ends it doesn't tie up the film at all well it does a little bit it doesn't really tie it up very well instead it sort of has this it totally changes at the end and leads you towards a sequel and that's it rather than actually sort of tying up the first film it's like it's like fuck this film let's let's do something crazy and but not let you see it because it's going to happen in a, a sequel it's like what the fuck and it was just yeah, it was just a bit dull, and the performances were poor and didn't do much for me at all. Uh, next up was Citadel. Uh, this was the um, surprise film of the festival. There's always like a mystery film, and this was Citadel, which is a British, uh, well, British, it's like Scottish and Irish production, I think. And uh, and it, this was very good. Uh, the only thing I found with this film, the first sort of half is i loved i thought it was brilliant it it starts off as about this um this sort of young this this married couple it's quite a young married couple are living in this grotty flat in scotland and and basically they're about to they're sort of moving out and the um wife gets who's pregnant the wife gets uh, attacked by these sort of hoodies and uh, and dies but the baby survives and and this this guy is, um, has to look after this after his his baby on his own, um, and because of what happened, he becomes um, agri- he's, he develops agoraphobia. Basically, he, he's terrified of leaving his house. And the first half of the film is more about his him dealing with agoraphobia and and like he he thinks he's seeing these like hoodies and stuff, and and his his house gets burgled, and he's just it's about his fear is like really well sort of transposed to film, and it's very effective. Um, but sort of around the halfway mark, sort of to two-third mark, it start. It well, it, it, it hints at this earlier, but you kind of think it's all in his head. 
But eventually, the you realise that the hoodies are actually these weird creatures, and it turns into like a monster movie. And it was a funny one. It's like the monster movie elements are still good. It, it's the sort of finale when he, he tries to take them on, sort of thing. It's like with this uh, pr- with this weird priest sort of guys. It's quite well done for a sort of low budget uh, monster movie. It's, it's cool, but. I felt the first half was so strong, it, it, it kind of ruined what it had set up. And this sort of small character drama turned something a bit ridiculous and it kind of spoiled what I thought could have been quite an intelligent sort of look at a fear of sort of youths and hoodies and all this sort of thing. And it's, it felt like it wanted to say something intelligent about that. And then by ending on such a ridiculous sort of action horror sort of genre film, it sort of it, it spoiled it. Um, but it, that one best film of the festival, so I think a, a lot of a lot, and it's been getting rave reviews all over the place. So I think a lot of people might enjoy it. But it's like a complete shift in message there for the film. It sounds yeah, like the first half of the film is sort of saying that actually, you know, there is a, this sort of fear of the sort of the youths and stuff like that. But it it sounds like the first half of the film is saying that's all it is. It's a paranoia. It's just a sort of like a rational fear, which is true. You know, that's mm. what I would agree with. But anyway, but that's what it seems like. What it's saying, it is just paranoia. It is just fear being mm. fueled and being yeah. sort of bred into people yeah. and then the second half of the film is saying no but it's a justified fear because they're actual monsters that's the metaphor sort of thing yeah. so it sounds like a completely mixed message yeah it's weird I mean, I mean the key message is about him conquering his fears and that's what ends being the ends up being the main message by the end but but I, I yeah but yeah like you say I think it felt like there was more that could have been said so it felt for me it was a missed opportunity but it's, it's still a solid film it's still one of the better films at the festival I enjoyed it but it just felt you're like almost it, thinking it, about what it could have yeah, been yeah it could have been yeah. brilliant and it, and it wasn't it was just decent sort of thing um, cool. Uh, next was Before Dawn. Uh, this is uh, another sort of a British film. Like very... Julie Delpy's new one. <laughs> no, but a very low budget um, zombie movie by it's by uh, Dominic Brunt and and his wife actually his wife wrote it um, and he directed it. Dominic Brunt randomly is is an actor from EastEnders and. Uh, this sort of quite, I don't want, not EastEnders, sorry, Emmerdale Farm. He's like the last person you expect to make a zombie film, especially when you meet him and he's, he's, he's quite a big sort of, bit of, big sort of guy. He's um, got quite, he sounds, he looks a bit camp, he acts a bit camp and he's like, and he comes out with this zombie movie. But it was very, it was actually, it was actually very good. It's, um, what it does well, it's a bit like Harold's Going Stiff, which was showed last year, where they take the zombie film but use use it as a background to create a more human sort of film, a human sort of drama. And the film's really quite a small piece. Basically, him, uh, Dominic and, and his wife are in the film as well, writing and directing it. And uh, But they're a married couple who go to... They basically go on holiday to uh, sort of a rural cottage um, to sort of rebuild their marriage because their marriage is built on the rocks, they're arguing and stuff like that. And there's been something dodgy's gone on in the past that's hinted at. And... Uh, and it's, they're trying to come to terms with their marriage, but along the way, uh, in the background, the world or the country or whatever is getting taken over by zombies, and they don't quite realise that till later on. Uh, but the wife gets bitten, and it's it's sort of as she's sort of deteriorating. They're trying to rebuild their marriage, and he doesn't know what to do about her. And it's uh, it's it's actually quite it's actually quite a nice <laughs> drama with some it's got some with some very grim sort of elements to it. Um, the only thing I would say, I mean, it's still. Still, does show its sort of low budget roots. Sometimes it doesn't always work brilliantly, and especially when it does try and add in some of the genre elements, when it does add in some zombie sort of carnage and stuff, those bits aren't uh, well. The, well, at least the first 
couple of bits of that aren't done very well. There's, later on, it, it's quite effective. There's a nice bit right at the end. But some of the later ones, there's like a showdown in, in the garage, and I didn't like the way it was shot at all. It's one of these shaky cam cut every three, every half second sort of thing, and I didn't like that. Um, but it's still interesting. It's nice to see someone do something different. Cause I've, I'm bored to death of zombie films, and and this this is it's not bad at all. It's, it's worth worth a watch. What was the title of the film, Dave? Uh, Before Dawn. Are we going to get this um, podcast done before dawn? <laughs> I don't think we are. What number is that, Dave? I'm getting there. There's like four left. <laughs> okay. The next film, next one was Resolution. <coughs> uh, this was probably my favourite film of the festival. It's, um, it was an odd one. It's, it's, a, it's basically a film about, uh, it's hard to describe without spoiling it too much, but um, this guy... This guy gets a video uh, sent from a friend, an old friend of his, and it, the video shows his old friend sort of high on like crack um, or crystal meth or something like that, and he's shooting guns off and stuff in in America, and it just looks fucked up. And he and he gets this email with this video and uh, a Google Map location. Um, so obviously he thinks, oh shit, my mate's in trouble. He needs help. So he goes he goes to that location, finds his friend there, and uh, tries to sort of get him off tries to help him but he's, his friend's not having any of it so he just uh, he handcuffs his mate to the um, to the wall to a pipe on the wall and, and says right I'm going to stay with you for a week and you're going to go kill Turkey we're going to get the drugs out of you and all this sort of stuff and it starts like that and but as the film goes on there's loads of odd little things keep happening it's quite a it's sort of slow burning sort of quite a surreal film there's, there's this weird sort of mystery that keeps building and in the end, the film becomes about storytelling. It's because um, what he keeps finding are these little stories and stuff, and and it becomes it's uh, it becomes a sort of a meta film um, about storytelling and about the way people watch horror films and what they expect and what they want from them. So it's a very interesting film, and and it does have horror elements as well. It is it is quite very creepy and stuff like that, um, but without sort of ever. There's very little pretty much no sort of gore or anything of violence or very minimal sort of thing um so it's a real interesting nice nicely made film the, the only thing i would say is um and i think this is partly the mistake of 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 uh, like the the guys who are running the festival and stuff like that in terms of beforehand i said oh it's really scary it's terrifying it's terrifying i didn't find it that scary but i think if it wasn't hyped up so much it probably would have found it pretty creepy enough to be notable but it wasn't that scary. So within the context of horror festival, it was a little, it was almost out of place. Um, but it's a very good film, and also, um, although the mystery is quite captivating, it does lack a little bit of drama. It's not an obviously like it won't obviously grab you. It's just, it's one of these odd, creepy sort of like gets under your skin sort of films. But it's interesting. It's, it's well worth a watch. I'm sure it'll um, it'll it seems to be doing great things. It's been picked up already by uh, distributors and stuff like that. So yeah, look out for that one. Uh, the next film's Entity. This is another local film. It's made in Sheffield. Uh, well, or maybe with a lot of Sheffield talent, anyway. And uh, and this was okay. It, it didn't it didn't do a lot for me. It's it's just a solid sort of uh, haunted. Well, not really a haunted house. It's about this um, TV crew a film following this psychic woman um, who's going to Siberia to um, where they, loads of people have been found sort of killed, like in a mass burial, like. 70 people or something like that and and she goes to that site and and, and these people want to basically make like a one of these psychic ghost story type tv programs um 
there and they basically find this massive building where where these people had been kept and they try to unlock the mystery and stuff but along the way they get terrorized by demons and ghosts and all this sort of thing um yeah and it's nothing special at all what i found was technically um it works quite well it looks very nice for a low budget film the like the um, location they found is incredible and stuff like that and it was it was scary it was pretty scary it was entertaining but it's so pedestrian the writing's so pretty poor and the direction's so sort of bland and some of the some of these scenes are scary because the sound design stuff's quite impressive and stuff like that but but like some of the the way it's shot and stuff could have been a little bit um could have been a little bit better and plus it's it, I found it odd the way it was it was a mixture of found footage and like normal sort of cinematic sort of film treatment and there wasn't really a good reason for this other than obviously there's this film crew um but it just seemed odd to like mix the two formats it worked aesthetically it wasn't that distracting but it just I kept thinking why 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 are you doing this is well it no was reason? distracting then yeah, yeah I guess so but, um, but not visually you mean not visually yeah. I mean it wasn't like jarring um so yeah it was okay it was solid but um but nothing special. Uh, the next film was The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Lee. Uh, this is another film... That's what me and Dan have been writing for the five minutes. <laughs> yeah. the, again, this wasn't anything special, but this is a bit more effective for me. It's it's more my sort of film, though. It's a very gothic horror film about a guy in this old sort of... He's, he's basically gone to his... his uh, he's sort of... He's gone to his mother's house. His mother's died, um, and he's going there to sort of... Get, he's he's the only person in her will basically he's gone to collect the stuff and look around the house uh and basically it's sort of haunted by these sort of spirits and stuff like that it's very classic sort of stuff and um, although it does have some quite nice messages about loneliness and uh, about religion and because his his mum was very religious and she used to force it upon him as a child and he's very troubled by this and and that's really what is haunting him there's all these angels like loads, she's got loads of crap in her house and there's like a lot of religious like little angels and religious symbols everywhere and stuff and and some of that sort of spooks him out and uh, it's um, it's an effective little sort of horror film nothing special but I quite, I quite enjoyed it and the last film finally uh, was another one of my favourites was Excision uh, which was very good it's less a horror film more a sort of a teen angst sort of uh, pitch black comedy it's, it's a bit like Todd Solondz's early sort of stuff, but like Welcome to the Dollhouse, sort of Heather's sort of thing, uh, where it's about this sort of loser, ugly sort of girl who's got no friends, uh, but where she sort of comes alive is in her sort of fantasies. She's obsessed with blood and she's obsessed with surgery. She wants to be a surgeon um, and she like does DIY surgery on animals and all this sort of shit. But the film comes has all these really lurid like dream sequences where because most of the film the, the main portion of the film is, is shot quite sort of basically quite blandly and uh, everything's a bit drab but these dream sequences the colors are ramped up and it's all like really strong reds and all this sort of stuff and and they're quite artistically done they're quite quite uh, nicely shot those sequences um but those weren't the bits that I, that I liked. I mean, what is quite nice is just it's got quite a sharp script. It's 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 very funny and, and but obviously in a very nasty sort of way, um, which I quite I just quite like that sort of comedy. And um, so yeah, it's a it's a decent film. The only thing I would say is uh, you can see the end coming a mile off. That was the ending was disappointing. It was just like you knew where it was going from the get go pretty much, and it's it doesn't really throw up the surprises that you want it to uh, for such a sort of a dark film. And um, 
But it's just, it's entertaining. Well, entertaining, but not in a... Entertaining, make it sound like a sort of a fun movie. You'll whack on with your family or something. It obviously won't. It's really fucked up. You'll whack on with your family. You'll, you'll whack off to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. But yeah, but if you're into fucked up sort of black black comedies, teenage sort of slant, then um, then it's, it's it's worth a watch. Yeah, and that's okay. it. <laughs> okay, it's the end of the podcast. So see you. Um... Yeah, thanks, Dave Brevis's book. That's, uh, amazing. <laughs> Can we put like a bit of a at the beginning? Almost like uh, like chapters, but like if you want to skip the fucking celluloid scream section, then go to, <laughs> go to minute forty five or whatever we're on. <laughs> Write some notes. Um, cool. Um, demo London. How many did you see? Don't say fourteen. I I only saw a quarter of the number of films that Dave saw. Um, so yeah, I saw three films at London Film Festival. Um, and I will start off with probably the weakest one. Um, it's the last one I saw actually. Um, but I'll start off with it here. Uh, it's called Compliance, um, and it got its debut at Sundance um, early on this year, at the start of this year. And it's kind of it got quite strong word of mouth um, from there. It kind of built up a head of steam and, and was kind of quite infamous for what may or may not have been apocryphal stories of people kind of walking out of screenings and um, kind of causing mass debates in the... Uh, <laughs> when I say master mates, <laughs> I meant uh, huge debates rather than <laughs> master mates in the uh, Q and A sessions afterwards. Um, so yeah, compliance was uh, directed by Craig Zobel, who uh, actually started out as a um, kind of working on David Gordon Green's films, a guy who did George Washington, and this isn't it's not his debut feature, um, but it's kind of the, the first one that's kind of received. Uh, any kind of recognition um, and it's called compliance it's based on true events which always kind of makes me nervous when I when I hear those kind of things um, and it's one of those films that despite despite being based on true events and you know that it's kind of grounded in that reality just never it doesn't really ring true at all um, it's set in a in a uh, fast food restaurant in a kind of small town American suburb could be could be kind of any any state in the whole of America really um just a kind of standard uh kind of suburban sprawl kind of retail park on the edge of a town and it's set on a busy Friday evening when the staff are getting ready for for a rush it seems to be kind of the place that people go on the Friday evening to to kind of dine out in this little town and this is kind of it sets up the tensions quite well. It, it starts really, really interestingly. It's like a, an American indie film that you don't really see that much of anymore. Um, it starts really promisingly, uh, kind of sets up some quite interesting characters and in, sets up the location really, really well. Um, and this kind of it creates this dynamic of this, this friction between uh, the kind of middle management, middle aged. Uh, kind of woman who runs this this fast food restaurant, and the kind of teenage staff who are kind of kind of joke around and not really kind of that interested in it. Um, but then, kind of things take a darker turn when uh, when they receive a phone call from a man purporting to be the police, and he he instructs the uh, the manageress 
that one of her members of staff, a young female employee, has been caught shoplifting. And he he says that he's on the way to the to the restaurant, to the fast food restaurant, to uh, interrogate the, this young this young woman. Uh, but in the meantime, that she needs to be detained by this uh, by by the staff there and watched. And um, it's kind of it's just difficult one to describe because I don't know I don't know what how much of the, uh, the kind of narrative the synopsis has been has been kind of is well documented and it's I don't want to kind of give anything away but it gets progressively more kind of outrageous and more unrealistic and it kind of reaches a point when I just didn't I didn't go with it at all um, in the screening that I was at a few people. A few people did walk out. I don't know whether it was because they just wasn't enjoying the film, or whether it was because they thought how how ridiculous was it it was. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those films that even though you know it's kind of based on true events, that it just doesn't ring true at all. Um, one of the interesting things about these kind of um, festivals are the Q and As afterwards, mm. and. Uh, the kind of talk with Craig Zobel afterwards was really interesting and he kind of he made some interesting points that um, <coughs> kind of backed up the points that he was trying to make in, in writing and directing this film in that his kind of general uh, thesis was that <coughs> excuse me people in in work situations and I guess in life situations do do things that ordinarily you wouldn't think that any sane person would do and an example that he gave that he when he used to work on uh, when he used to be a um, kind of assistant production manager uh, I guess when he was working with David Gordon Green that he was asked to make the the crew work a 20-hour day on a shoot in the middle of nowhere which was an hour's hour's drive from uh, the hotel. So they basically worked a twenty hour day and had, and then had to drive an hour after that. And although he knew it was patently wrong to ask people to do this, and you know, uh, as well as being morally wrong, I guess illegal, if they had an accident, then kind of all insurances would be void, and you know, would be sued and so on. He still, even though he knew it was wrong, he still did it. And I guess he was trying to show that um, in this film, people do things that are, in, you know, ordinarily you wouldn't think any same person would do. But for whatever reason, when faced with an authority figure, they do kind of, kind of crazy things. Yeah, but the, which, you know, yeah. which is an interesting point. But I, I kind of felt that in the actual film itself, it didn't ring true at all, and. I thought as such it was quite a, you know a failure really. I think that's almost like a stupid point that he's make. It's like well, of course people ex, people do extraordinary things, but it's always about the sort of motivation behind that. If you're making, if he was making a film and he needed to do a twenty hour day to get the footage, then that that is not that a ridiculous thing to to do. 
you can understand why he would do that and why that it's not as if that's like completely fucking crazy so a better example would be that thing where that what was that test after world war ii about sort of responsibility when they oh, asked yeah, people the to yeah. to kill you know just to kind of electrocute those people which yeah end- exactly he, he actually did bring that up as well I oh did he, he okay kind of drawing yeah. on on something that he had directly experienced himself okay um but, but ultimately because you didn't believe it it just didn't work for you at all i mean is it you said that it's got notorious that people have been walking out and people walked out when you watched it i mean is it that potentially that bad is it shit if you don't buy into it is it ultimately shit um i would i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far um as i say the kind of the setup is nice it's, it's nicely shot um it's nicely it's nicely played i just think the the problem lies with the writing and ultimately you know that's where kind of many films fall down is on the writing and you know despite the fact it's kind of quite nicely directed nicely shot nicely played if the writing it just it just it's just ridiculous to be honest it, it just fails because of you just i just didn't buy it and i think i got the impression that many people in the audience didn't buy it Although you know, during the Q and A, a few people did say that they kind of they loved it. I just, I just felt. I mean, there is kind of laughing in places that you know, obviously he hadn't intended for people to laugh, and that's always you know slightly worrying. Yeah. <clears throat> so ultimately, um, you know, I think it's it's obviously managed to kind of get this momentum and this kind of word and it's ultimately one of these films that people talk about which is obviously good publicity for it but um unfortunately i would chalk it down to to being a bit of a failure really so moving on to um the second film that i saw um so whereas whereas that film debuted uh, you know kind of london film festival is one of these films that's kind of a catch-all tournament catch-all festival at the end of the year um of kind of films that have debuted elsewhere and the second film that I saw debuted at Cannes uh, but we didn't get to see it actually it's Pablo Lorraine's No which is the kind of third film of the triptych he did about uh, Pinochet area era Chile um, and it's kind of it's an interesting film I, I, I really liked it. It, it it's kind of about the advertising uh Industry. It's kind of a lot lighter than than Tony Manero and Post Mortem, um, but obviously still de- dealing with a very serious subject matter. And uh, you know, kind of again, listening to him in the Q and afterwards, a subject matter that's very very close to his to his to his heart. Um, I know that his 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 father actually is a uh, kind of right wing politician in Chile, and he's obviously kind of very left leaning, and it kind of comes across in this film. So no um, is about the campaign for the no vote in the for the nineteen eighty eight uh, election that was kind of set up um, after all the years of the dictatorship of Pinochet. Um, the people were finally allowed to kind of vote whether they wanted to keep him in power or not, and obviously a lot of people were saying that you know it's a you know, the kind of he was paying paying lip service to this to this um, to this kind of referendum that it was you know there's no way that he was not going to win it was going to be fixed 
Um, the no campaign was only allowed 15 minutes of advertising, whereas the kind of yes campaign to keep them in was, you know, had all other um, airtime available to it. Um, but against all odds, I know it's not giving anything to wait away to say that the, the kind of no campaign win, wins. And it's all about how how that happens. Gail Garcia Bernal plays um, an advertising executive who who puts together this no campaign, this successful no campaign that works by rather than showing all the kind of negative side of things. He, he obviously uses techniques that are used to sell soft drinks and, and kind of um, chocolate bars and all kind of other kind of items such as that. He, he basically uses the same techniques that used to sell products to sell politics. Yeah. Um, it's actually done in quite an, quite an interesting way, kind of quite a comic way. He always has this, uh, always managed to, to fit this um, mime into his edits, and it kind of begins when he's when he's showing a uh, showing some clients and edits that in, includes a, a, a mime in it, and he basically later on uses this throughout the uh, <laughs> the political campaign as well. Wonder so if it's, it's, it's wonder got if it's a, coming a out in America a, at the moment with the elections going on. And I guess it's kind of showing the ridiculousness of adver- the advertising industry, as well as as kind of making this very serious point of of you know how they managed to get rid of Pinochet through this um this campaign an advertising campaign um the film itself is kind of technically very interesting it's it's shot um four by three mm. and it's using old kind of 1980s equipment um actually they had to get uh mm. kind of older older crew members in who who knew how to use it <laughs> kind of you know all the the younger crew that had used in other, other films were kind of up to speed on you know red cameras and all sorts of latest yeah, yeah. hd technology and and so on but they had to get an older crew in the kind of <laughs> 60s and 70s who were up to speed with 80s equipment and they had a number of cameras and some of them kept going wrong and they kind of had to wait for you know but managed to kind of get through the shoot um it takes a bit of getting used to although not as not as much as uh, I'd heard other people saying it kind of, uh, even though you're kind of watching it on a massive, I know I watched it on a massive screen at uh, Odeon uh, Leicester Square, mm. it doesn't feel like it's kind of, you know. Yeah. Is that, I mean, that nightbreed night that I saw well, had like. It's kind of shot in that way and it kind of VHS builds up this, um, this feel, really, I guess, 1980s of Chile. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think it, it really works. Um, I think he's a kind of really interesting filmmaker. Um, it's kind of a political, you know, all, all his films are political, but you know, not in a in a kind of way that's that is any any way boring. Um, and it's very accessible. And I would, you know, I would pretty much recommend it to anybody. But you don't really need to know anything about uh, Chile and about Pinochet. Yeah. Um, but it's a very accessible film. Cool. And I hope it gets a you know wide release and does very well. I'm sure it, obviously Gail Garcia Bernal will will get it that kind of recognition, so people kind of know him as a big as a big star. Um, so hopefully, yeah, it will get widely seen. Cool. Have yeah. you seen those adverts with him doing the um, Movember adverts? <coughs> no, razor, it's embarrassing. Yeah, he does sport a great um, moustache and beard. That's what he says. As this, an actor, uh, my facial film. hair is important does, uh, to me. Facial hair. He's quite a hair suit guy, and he does. Rock a very good moustache and beard. 
Yeah, that sounds quite interesting. And that I mean, was the second best film you saw. Um, I mean, I would say it was the other film. Excuse me, the the last film that I saw was also very good. It is a documentary. Um, I would I would say it's very hard to to kind of call which was the better out of them. But um, <coughs> yeah, the last film <coughs> I'm going to talk about is uh, Mia Maxima Culpa, Silence in the uh, Silence in the House of God, which is the latest film by Alex Gibney. And it actually won the um, best uh, documentary uh, at London Film Festival. I mean, the, the London Film Festival this year seems to have it's got a new um, artistic director, Claire Stewart, I think, has just taken over an Australian woman. And I think she wanted to kind of imbue it with this more more of a competition element to kind of, I guess, not compete with the likes of Venice and Toronto and Cannes, but just to kind of, I guess, make it a little bit more competitive. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, yeah, the Alex Gibney's film won uh, Best Documentary. I think it's well-deserved. I think he's a really good documentary filmmaker. Uh, in recent years, he's done the likes of Taxi to the Dark Side, which was, I don't know if it won oh, an Oscar. Yeah. It was Oscar-nominated, certainly. I think he um, might have done. Also, sorry? I think he might have done. I can't remember. I've got it at home. I'm sure it, I think it won. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. It was de- yeah, it was definitely nominated. Yeah. Um, he also did Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room as well, yeah. which is really good. And I saw his last film actually at uh, London Film Festival last year, last year, which was um, Magic Trip, which is kind of a lot lighter in tone than this one. It's it's about kind of uh, Ken Kesey and uh, kind of journey across uh, America. Oh yeah, in a bus, which was really good. But this is much more serious. This is um, about uh, child abuse and the Vatican and the Catholic Church and their kind of concerted. Uh, attempts, well not attempts, successful attempts for many, many years to cover it up until uh, recent years um, and I guess the kind of interesting take that it has on it, is it focuses on a, a very small group of of kind of now middle-aged men who were obviously abused in the 1970s um, in Wisconsin and they were uh, all deaf, they were in a kind of um, a school for deaf children and they kind of lived at this school and were abused by a, a priest there. Jesus. It's kind of, it's shot in a really interesting way in that the um, kind of talking head interviews that they had done, obviously the uh, deaf people kind of use sign language to kind of, to, to, to communicate. <clears throat> and as they're using the sign language, they also kind of, make noises with the mouths as well, kind of like popping sounds and, and things like that. It's really kind of, the sound design's actually really, it works yeah. really well and it's kind of really builds up a great atmosphere. And um, although he kind of uses uh, famous actors to kind of, um, to kind of to speak what, what, what they're communicating with the sign language, the kind of popping sound and the, the way that, that the interviews are conducted works really, really well. Um, and he kind of uses archive footage and um, kind of uh, there's a few kind of reconstructed scenes as well that are done that are done quite well, and also kind of footage from uh, kind of the Vatican as well. And he kind of he kind of expands out from this story set in this small community of Wisconsin and kind of looks at the bigger picture um, of the Vatican, and he kind of moves over to Ireland, looks at. Um, some kind of very similar cases actually in Italy as well with, with um, uh, deaf people in a, in, a, in a school in Italy. 
and it's all it's all done really really well it's kind of really well put together um i think it'll ultimately end up on tv but um again it's kind of it's you know if it's out if it gets a release at cinema it's certainly worth checking out in the yeah. cinema these uh, a lot of these documentaries get a good life on dvd and blu-ray and stuff as well yeah, yeah, check it out, yeah. um, I think it's going to get released at HBO in America, and they'll probably be on Channel Four over here as well as, yeah. as well as being released on Blu-ray and DVD. Um, I cool. think he's a really good documentary filmmaker, um, and I would definitely recommend, uh, recommend anyone checking this out. Awesome, sounds good. Well, sounds fucked up, but it sounds it sounds it sounds very interesting. Cool, yeah, so that's really well done. A nice hour of festival. Yeah, check. I was going to say that is. I think I think we we might have to put a little uh, put a little thing on the site, sort of warning people. If you don't want festival chat for films that <laughs> aren't coming out for a while, that are going to be spoiled probably. But um, go an hour in. <laughs> but no, let's crack on. Nice. Okay, so should we just you know we'll try and speed through the rest. Yeah, pretty um, much exactly an hour. Um, should we just chat about what we've seen recently? Yeah, you've seen you haven't said much for a while. So what, what have, have you, you been only watching? seen Skyfall? I saw The Shining an hour ago, <laughs> but I won't talk too film. much about that. We've all seen that. Have you it's seen it's got a new release though. Isn't it? It's getting a new re-release. Dame, have you seen anything recently? Um, I haven't actually. The only the only other film that I've seen recently is a uh, 1920s um, silent film that was uh, released as part of the uh, BFI uh, Top 100. Um, I've not actually seen anything. What um, what what was like, that out of interest? <laughs> Uh, it was um, Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. Oh, I fucking love which, that film. I saw uh, that recently. Anyway, um, I won't kind of talk about it because we've been talking for a long time. But yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> oh, and I'll just talk about a couple of films I've seen. On Blu-ray. Is it on Blu-ray? I certainly it is, yeah, it on DVD anyway. Mass of the Cinema have got an amazing Blu-ray of it, yeah. Nice plug. <laughs> I'm always plugging them. I love them. Um, all right, and so I saw three films over the past sort of week, three new releases. Um, first one I'll talk about is Ruby Sparks. Um, Ruby Sparks general concept of that is about a writer he is in his early 30s and he wrote a masterpiece as a very young man and he's never written anything since and he's got writer's block and he ends up writing about this girl that he's been dreaming about and she comes alive and he can rewrite her and she changes depending on what he writes on his typewriter Um, I was interested in it for two reasons one it's quite an interesting concept and two it sounds like a play I wrote four years ago called Laminated and it's sort of a similar concept which is a bit worrying um, to be honest but that's um, beside, beside the point okay so the film itself um, it, I, I really didn't like it at all to be honest um, for many reasons one it, it doesn't use that concept at all it, 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 it's a nice premise but it then just resorts into a generic love story it doesn't really use the idea the, the kind of concept of it, the sort of magic realism aspect to it. It doesn't use it at all. It doesn't even play with the psychology of it. It, it. There's never any doubt that is it in his mind, is it not in his mind. There's never any... She gets created. It's simple as that. There's no... So it doesn't do anything interesting with it whatsoever. The other thing is the characters are fucking hideous. Like, he's just sort of kind of repulsive. and Not repulsive, that's a bit harsh, but he's just... He's not interesting. He's a bit whiny. He's a bit sort of self-loathing. And, and he, the fact that he writes on a typewriter pissed me off. It's just that kind of... It is just like that classic 
I wasn't say like Little Miss. Yeah, like Little it's Miss the Sunshine. Same, it's the same people. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's everything I hated about that film. That textbook American indie bullshit was like he wouldn't be writing a rap typewriter. It's two thousand and fucking twelve. You're writing a typewriter if you're a cunt. You know, and it's, you collect typewriters, fine, but do you actually write on one? It's there for, and it's just that, in the whole, the dialogue and the, the style of the film was, was all wrapped in that. And she was hideous. The fact that he, she is meant to be like a dream girl, like weird science, he's created her. <laughs> she's ugly, which doesn't matter, but she, ultimately, if you're creating a dream girl, she's either going to be stunning or she's going to be amazingly charismatic. She's going to be either one or the other, surely. Yeah. Everybody's dream girl to be yeah, one yeah. or the other, but she's horrible. She's you know in both regards. She's not charismatic. She's not fun to be with. She's not interesting. She's not you know she, the main character was she wrote it as well as starring in it. And I think you know yeah, and it's okay. like it's a casting issue there big time for me. She can't pull off the character. She's not engrossing enough. She's mm. not engaging enough. She's not charismatic enough. The the only time it does play with the fact that he can rewrite her. It just results into these really stereotypes. He changes her three times. One time she's really depressed. One time she's really happy. I'm not even joking. This is this is the level it's working at. And the other time she's really needy and clingy. And it's just like it's just so it's really vile in that regard. And it just feels like it kind of feels like a really hideous metaphor about how controlling men are. That's what it comes across as like this real shit metaphor about controlling men trying to change, you know, and it just feels so it feels a bit dirty in that regard as well. But I really didn't like it. It sounds like the trailer because the trailer I was like, oh, I'm not sure. It sounds just like what you described, so I might might give that a miss. Yeah, and I've got I've been sent the soundtrack randomly to review, and uh, it it sounded a bit cheesy. It put me off. Oh, really? Can't even remember the music, but it's just so disappointing. The pre- it's a kind of an interesting premise, and you could do so much with it, but it just no, no, it didn't work at all. It's randomly, Steve Coogan's in it. Is he? <laughs> oh no, yeah, I think I remember him. In the really, trailer. yeah, yeah. Kind of being Steve Coogan, which doesn't sit right either. But um, yeah, so that's that. So that's that. Uh, other film I saw, um, which is the favourite of the films I've seen recently, is Frank and Weenie. Now, obviously, when Frank and Winnie first got announced, I think I was on this podcast saying, oh, fucking Frank and Winnie. You know, I hate the short film that he made um, years ago for Disney. I hated it. And I just thought, he's remaking it. Oh, you know. And then actually, as I, as I saw the, when I first saw the full trailer, I realised that the, the concept for the animation, the stop motion, is completely different to the... Not completely different. It's much more expanded and interesting in the short film. And yeah, and, um, but um, yeah, I watched it and I absolutely loved it. I really did love it. It's um, the general concept of that is it's about this boy and he's like a horror fan and he makes little films with his dog and stuff like that. Anyway, he, his best friend's his dog. It's the only friend he's got, and the dog end up, ends up getting killed. And then he's got this mad science teacher who teaches him with a frog, like how you can make frogs move and sort of come back to life through electricity. And he ends up it's sort of, it's the Frankenstein story. Then he ends up bringing the dog back to life, and for this, you know. It, um, who he loves and then somebody then his classmates start finding out and then they start trying to bring back their pets but with that disastrous consequence that then the pets become these monsters and it does some well one thing the style is absolutely stunning it's kind of something you don't think about but actually what's really brave is that it's a black and white stop motion film and it's kind of you know you don't really think about it but actually it's kind of a bold thing to do in a weird way but it looks absolutely stunning in terms of it's obviously classic burn what's really interesting is that um like all the characters are so defined. Like his classmates, all of them are like 
loosely based on sort of monsters. Like one of his is like Igor, staring yeah. girl from the Melancholy Death of Voice Boys in it. <laughs> and I love that character from that book. Um, and each character, there's like one of his mates is like Frankenstein and all the, so every single classmate is all these like freaky yeah. sort of characters, which works br- absolutely brilliantly. I mean, it's the same with the parents and the teachers. Every single one of them is just so sort of fleshed out and individual. It's, it's brilliant. Every scene is brilliant to watch. Um, and yeah, and it's just, it's everything, you know, the kind of, the kind of humor, it's dark it, and it just looks absolutely stunning. And then when the monsters come out at the end, when they turn all these pets and even all the monsters, these kind of classic sort of versions of kind of monsters that we all know, but it, and it becomes this sort of real monster sort of film at the end. And it's just absolutely, I've absolutely awesome. loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Is it, is it Martin Landau? It is the, the voice of the teacher. Of the teacher, the science teacher. Yeah. And he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. The cast in general, I can't, I'm trying to remember who else, but it's quite, it is quite interesting. There's a lot of sort of, um, a lot of stars who people have sort of forgotten about a little bit, aren't they? There's a, uh, what is it? The, the, the Catherine Hara and, yeah, like yeah. and stuff like that. It's, um, I, I've heard, um, I'm desperate to see it. It's, uh, Annoyingly, Skyfall's like taking everything off the cinema at the minute. It just is, it's pretty much the only thing on, um, unless you want to go at three in the afternoon. Um, but I've heard a few, a few people say about um, it's got quite a nice sort of. I mean, obviously, it's got a retro vibe because it's black and white and it's going these old Bond movies, but a lot of people say it's got a bit of an 80s feel to it in terms of like uh, the way it works. And is that, <laughs> did you feel that at all? Um, just... I don't hate it. I don't know. And, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't just something I read randomly no, I didn't in terms of, kind of get... more of an old-fashioned type, fun sort of kids' film with a sort of dark edge to it. That's not too doesn't feel like today's blockbusters. Oh, it's nothing like, like anything yeah. today. It's it's absolutely. I was actually thinking about this. I, I you know, I, I, I think like um, a lot of things work in animation that would never work in, and I love animation, yeah. and I think you can get away with it. And then I was thinking actually, there's a stop motion is an amazing style, and I was like, mm. oh, anything in stop motion is amazing. But I was thinking about it. I was like, I didn't like Coraline, I didn't like Pirates, yeah. I didn't like um, what was the last one? I didn't like Corpse Bride. I didn't like Paranorman recently, and I was thinking, I don't, you know, the last one was probably fucking Wallace and Gromit and the. Were yeah. rabbit or whatever, but um, no, absolutely. Obviously, I love Tim Burton, and it is Tim Burton. It is absolutely best. What is interesting, it jarred with me ever so slightly, is that there's loads of sort of textbook Burton things in it. So there was like a, a the big finale at a windmill. <laughs> there's like a, a mob with burning torches. <laughs> There's, you know what I mean? There's loads. Yeah. But when you're doing a film about like Frankenstein stuff, I guess those elements are I from know, Frankenstein. I know, I know, I know. But yeah. it's just because, because obviously he did it in yeah, Sleepy yeah. Hollow and Edward Scissorhands. And he, mm. it's because he obviously has his influences anyway. It's just a bit weird. So it's yeah. sort of like um, Avatar and James Cameron, where it's like the best yeah, things yeah. he's ever done in loads of different It was a bit best weird. Stuff. But um, <laughs> no, I really, really did love it. Um, this is one gag that didn't work for me. It's like this really textbook gag. The humour is brilliant. And they had this one gag. Let me let me see if you guys can guess what the gag is going to be. All the monsters are coming out one by one. Then there's this one guy in this tomb, and you hear this big, deep, low rumbling. And there's a shadow on the wall as it's getting closer and closer and closer. And the shadow is obviously massive and getting closer to the person. What do let you me think guess it's going to be a massive monster? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's pretty. That's the only. Dis- I was like, "Oh, really? That is cheap. Why would you do that? Why would you do that?" But great film. Cool. Um, see, that's cool. brevity. Brevity. <laughs> um, final film I saw. You've seen as well, Dave. Yes, um, so you Skyfall. can chat. You can start with it. Skyfall. Yeah, Skyfall. Obviously, it's the. Uh... Um, shall we, Damo? You're planning on seeing it, surely? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we, we want to stay spoiler free. Yeah, and it's only just come out, really, and it's not actually out in America yet. So for any American audience out there, we'll try and spoil it. Um, yeah, Skyfall is obviously the twenty third Bond film, I think. Twenty third Bond film is it? Um, um, on its sort of fiftieth anniversary. Well, fifty fifty years of the films. Anyway, the books books were previous to that. Um, yeah, and it it sort of for me it plays out like like a sort of fiftieth celebration of Bond. It sort of brings in for me more than whereas sort of Casino Royale sort of tried to sort of change the genre. This this brings in a lot of the older elements for me. For me, Darren might disagree. We'll see in a sec, but brings in a lot of the older elements. It's it, it, it's got a few more gags in it and things like that, <laughs> um, a bit more light hearted, um, and. Yeah, it's, I mean it's a Bond film. I mean, there's not so much you can say about it. You know, you, you know what's going to happen. It's it's got its bad guys, it's got its good guys. Well, it does have, I guess, this time around that, um, that is a little different. It, it's it's got more personal story that's surrounding, uh, really surrounding M uh, and this guy who's uh, got it in for her really. And I won't give too much away because it's not, he's not really revealed till quite late on in the film. Sort of um, what's going on. There's quite a long build up. Um, but yeah, it's got a bit more of a personal slant to it. But for me, it still felt a bit more like Vintage Bond than uh, than the last last couple of films. Uh, but yeah, but it's been hyped up to hell, and the reviews have been incredible. And I must must say, I enjoyed it. I thought it was solid. It was good fun. I'm a big Bond fan, and it's it's certainly sort of better, sort of top half, top third possibly Bond movies, but. It's nothing special. It's nothing groundbreaking. It's not going to set the world on fire. Some people saying about oh, it's going to be big on award season. It's like no, it's not. It's 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 um, decent. It's solid, but it's nothing special. It's uh, for me, it just felt a little too slow. It wasn't really exciting enough for a Bond film. Um, it's it's quite a slow burn. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a slow burn film, but it just felt a little unjustifiably slow. And especially considering it's a Bond film that that, when in my opinion, was fairly light a bit more light-hearted at least in the last few um it i just think it needs a little bit more energy and um, what i did like about it was the style i thought it's one of the nicest looking bond films um I mean, sam mendes usually has got a nice visual style to it and there's a couple especially one deacons in it and roger deacon shot mm-hmm. it as well but especially mainly one set piece there's a set piece in in uh in hong kong is it hong kong I think, yeah i think it's in hong kong and where he's up in this skyscraper and there's all these neon lights and these weird like LED things going off in the background and sort of there's a fight in like a silhouette and stuff that looks fucking incredible and the, some of the film looks gorgeous especially for Bond film which um, I mean there's, there's always a lot of money in their slick Bond films but I don't think there's any that I, I particularly remember looking especially stylish um, so th- that worked for me uh, and it's got a couple of decent set pieces and things like that um, uh, Javier Bardem's like the most campest Bond villain I've seen maybe ever. Um, but he kind of works, it's kind of fun. Uh, but it's, it's a bit ridiculous. When he first comes on screen, it's a little bit like, whoa, <laughs> where are they going with this? But it kind of works. It, um, uh, but yeah, it's it's enjoyable, it's fun, but I don't, I don't believe the hype. It's not the second coming. It's not a new, like, best Bond ever or anything like that. It's It's just a solid, solid Bond movie. In my opinion, um, yeah, okay, um, yeah, I kind of sort of agree with Dave in a lot of regards. Um, I thought it was average. 
I'd say it's about it. If yeah, not, I, think even, I liked it a bit more than you did. Yeah, I think if not even a touch below average. Um, although it's funny you should say, but I think I thought the style was looked great. We were, we were chatting about it before you got here, Dave, um, <clears throat> and um, and we, that was a scene that we chatted mm. about. Like it did look. There's a lot kind of visually. There's a kind of a lot more design within its sort of filming. Usually, it is kind of kind of you know functional, Dog isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the effects are within the explosions and the you know the effect you know. Um, but um, no, I thought it. I thought it looked great. Um, my problem with it, and it's sort of my problems with a lot of the Bond since sort of Goldeneye in a weird way. And I still don't ever only hold Goldeneye in a really strong light because of the game. <laughs> I ain't seen it for a long time. But anyway, um, my problem with it is that. So you said it was like classic Bond. I didn't think it was. I mean, my problem is that I think it feels very real, very realistic. It's very clearly in today's world. It's clear. It works in a real reality that Bond doesn't and shouldn't, in my opinion, work in. So it's it's very today. It's very modern. And then it has these sort of classic Bond elements to it, which for me just didn't they just didn't mesh together. So there are some quips and silly bits in it, but they didn't work because the rest of the film was so grounded in a reality. And like you, you know, and I almost felt as if it was sort of taking the piss out of classic Bond in some regards, like with Q coming it in. Just with the Q stuff a little bit, but yeah. I and know. I was just like, because you know, they they kind of taking the piss out of the old Q gadgets, and I was a bit like. It's one of the best things. Everyone looked forward to fucking when Q turned up and gave him all these awesome stuff. That's Bond. But they take the piss out of that and then he he gives him, a, you know, well, you know, you don't give him anything. Yeah. And it's a bit like, well, that's what makes Bond fun. But they took the piss out of the fact that they used to give him crazy shit. And I was like, okay. And it's that, you know, I, you know, I want it, I want it to be silly gadgets. Mm. You know, that's what's fun about Bond. I want, you know, you kind of talk about like, you have it, you have it about him. It is a bit weird, and I think the reason it feels a bit weird is because he didn't quite sit in the world. But I actually really liked what he was trying to do. Mm. I liked the fact that it was a bit camp and he was a bit eccentric, and that's what, for me, that's what Bond is. You know, if you think of Bond villains, you're going to say our job, you're going to say Jaws, yeah. you're going to say, you know, and this, you're not going to say the fucking Rupert Murdoch in Tomorrow Never Dies, or <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not going to say those characters because they're not, they're not characters, they're people. Yeah. And, and and so in one regard, I can understand why a lot of people would like James Bond because what it's doing, it's creating people, it's creating three-dimensional relationships and characters, which is what it does very well. And the generally on performance level, except one person I'll get to in a minute, performance-wise, it's very strong. It's just very good. Very, you know, everyone feels like they've got a history. They have got a history. Yeah, and normally that's kind of what I go for. But for some reason in Bond, I'm just like, I don't want you to have this... <laughs> personal story oh, yeah, yeah. I, I want think, you to have a hat that you yeah. fucking cut through anything or I want I want you to have a shoe which turns into a fucking I, I did feel glider I mean I know I know the, the example you're right with the example definitely with the gadgets and stuff but I think elsewhere even on that I just I felt most of it was very tongue in cheek I thought it was one of the most tongue in cheek ones for a while there's there's loads of comments at the start when they are doing ridiculous stunts like fighting on top of a train and they're riding bikes on top of uh, the, um, the bazaar in in Turkey, or whatever, and, and they they comment and they openly comment but on it. That's the like thing, that. but that's like, my problem with it. They comment on it in the old Bond. It just happened because that's the world they lived in. Yeah. But they kept commenting on it. Oh, what's that? Oh, just loads of Beatles. Oh, what's that? You know, and it's just everything was sort of referenced. It felt mm. like it was referring to what Bond used to be. Mm. That's why, and, and it, that's why it did so. so but saying that, 
I enjoyed it. I, did, I had a few issues with the plot points, but we won't get on into those. I, I don't think the writing was perfect. But um, one, one person I thought was awful is Naomi Harris. I thought she, she was, was a bit painful, yeah. atrocious. Every line <clears throat> of dialogue was cringeworthily performed. Mm. It was, and obviously we're going to be seeing a bit more of it. But we you know what. <laughs> but um, well, what did you think to the? We weren't not the, the end. ending of the film, but the end end, the very end. Did, that did, is obviously the sort of fiftieth anniversary nod sort obvi- of thing. But just, and do, do you like it or did you? Just I, well, to be honest, talk about I, it. I did. I did kind of like it. It's very, it's cheesy. You knew as well, though. It's obvious, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not really obvious, but I didn't mind it. But I didn't love it, but but I was like, cheesy, wasn't it? It was cheesy, but it worked for me. (laughs) But, um, okay, how do we do on the spoiler front, Damo? No, I think it's pretty good. I I managed to not... uh... Yeah, no. I mean, I think. Bond, yeah, there's only so much you could you could. Uh, we could say a lot. I guess, well, no, actually, on this, yeah. <laughs> Don't say anything else. No. But, um, what did you, what <laughs> did you make of um, Sam Mendes directing it? Or, I guess he's the biggest biggest kind of name I've, uh, kind of director I've, who's I've, done any yeah, of the Bond films, I, think I guess. He probably um, brought... I know before that talks about Quantum of Solace yeah. being the, um, Mark Foster being the kind of the auteur's Bond, but what, what did you make of Man- Mendes doing this? I mean, as we said about the style, I think he probably brought some of that visual. I mean, obviously Roger Deakins as well, but I think Roger Deakins came with him a little bit because they've worked together a lot. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's mainly the style, but in terms of anything else, I don't know. Well, I must admit, can you, can, you stamp it, can you be an auteur and, and do Bond? Is it, is, I don't think do you, so. Do you have to no, no, no there's the so many other... So many other in hands bond, in the yeah on, in the world. Plot. I'd it, if you you didn't know who directed it, you wouldn't go. Oh, fuck me, who directed this? Like, you'd yeah. think who? There's a couple of sequences which are really nice, but yeah. you'd kind of think Deacon's more. Yeah. But obviously, it's it's like the Harry Potter films. I mean, Harry Potter tried to bring in some quite decent sort of art house sort of indie directors and things, didn't they? In mm. the middle, anyway. And. Uh, but well, to be honest, I think I skipped those films anyway. But I, from the sounds of things, they didn't bring anything particularly special. When you're working with something that costs so much money and it has that much expectation and sort of, uh, there's so much of a business side behind it. It's I think it's impossible to really get your personal stamp on it. Um, Where this one stands out is in the writing. Yeah, in a sense, it's different because of the story, and it's a story that's different. Yeah, so it's quite different. How it's shot or directed. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's got like a particularly Mendes style or anything like that. No. Or, uh, no, I don't think so. But um, but yeah. if, you, if you're a Bond fan, it's worth it's worth a watch. Um, and it's going to make a stupid money. I mean... Already. It, last night, I went, Tuesday night, although it is discount night at the cinema, whatever, but I went I went at eight o'clock. It was sold out the next two showings until quarter past nine. And the quarter past nine one only had like three seats left. It's just... And, and it's it's on every half an hour. It's There's nothing else on the evening except Skyfall, pretty much. It's, it's insane. So it's just going to rake in the money, at least in the UK, but I'm sure it'll do well overseas as well, but... Yeah, it's crazy. Be interested to know what you think, Damo. Do you what, what, mm. do you like Bond, Damo? Silence. So sorry, I, sorry, I missed that. What did you say? Do you like James Bond? Do you like the series? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, again, I'm, it's not it's not something that I love. I kind of, I kind of, I guess I like the idea of it more than the actual films. I always think, you know. Oh yeah, kind of quite excited. There's a new Bond coming out when it comes out at the cinema, or you know, on a bank wet bank holiday when Bond's on TV. Yeah. I always think, oh yeah, it'd be quite nice to sit down and watch a Bond film. But when I actually do, there's not actually that many of the 23 or whatever there are that I actually like. Um, 
I, yeah, I guess, I guess it's yeah, it's kind of quite good for a for what it is. But I wouldn't say I'm, mm. I'm a huge fan. Oh yeah, uh, I'm a big. You might like. I mean, that's the thing. I think almost you might you might like it. Then I mean, I, I guess I you know used to say like it's not kind of it's not it's not the the bond that you like with all the kind of gadgets and the you know the random task uh, kind of villains and stuff. I I kind of like I like it the fact when it is kind of it's darker it's it's kind of more grounded in some elements of kind of real you know real life and the kind of he's a, a hard drinking kind of kind of you know bonds are kind of i don't you know i don't want him to be kind of having used loads of gadgets and quipping yeah. and things like that i just like the kind of fact he's oh you love it <laughs> have, you, have you read the books because yeah the books are more like that he's a nastier character in the books um, yeah I, mean, I, I kind of like that element yeah. of it more really than the and the kind of camper kind of okay you probably you'll probably like this a lot there. although there is a lot more humor than maybe but quite I, the I, last I still stand by the fact that when it does resort to the quips and stuff like that they don't sit right in it but um but you but you probably more, more like it i mean yeah so i mean i don't know we'll see we'll see um we said we were going to have, like chat about horror. I think we should just kind of skip yeah, that. Maybe I mean, to be honest, I chat about horror for about 40 minutes. Yeah. I'll just yeah, say that given that it's no longer Halloween, we're, we're now in the 1st of November, so oh, yeah. yeah, it's probably time to talk about Christmas. And I won't get it posted till tomorrow. You know, or watch or chat about Nightmare so Before Christmas. Things to go by, but yeah, Halloween <laughs> yeah. is long gone. Um, I, I watched Exorcist last night. I saw the shine tonight. <laughs> um, it is fucking brilliant. I haven't seen it for years. It's so good. I haven't seen it... God, God knows it is I, good, and it is genuinely, genuinely shocking. It's fucked up. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely fucked up. You can, you know, obviously there's loads of hype about films. You can completely understand the furore this caused in the seventies. Mm. Now, it's like I mean, I kind of, kind of, I think I mentioned to you on Facebook or whatever when I said like when people went ape shit over kind of kick ass. Yeah, and that that little twelve year old girl, same age, twelve year old girl, said that one word. Yeah, this girl in Exorcist. <laughs> Some of the stuff she comes out is unbelievable. Mother sex cocks in here. But um, what, what is it? Is it? Is it? Is it that that makes it so kind of creepy? I mean, does it? I mean, it is obviously kind of unsettling, and is it, is it more kind of shocking than scary? It's I, not, is, is it I find more, it more disturbing. Than I find scary, it fucked yeah. up. Is it more effective if you for people who obviously you're not religious at all? I'm not religious, and I don't think Dave is. No, but obviously it's kind of the element of. Is it more kind of disturbing if you're religious, do you think? Or is it, does it work for kind of atheists or... Oh, it definitely agnostics? works for atheists because I am. Obviously, I'm an yeah. atheist. Um, and I th- I genuinely, I just think it is... The thing is, actually, a lot of the time when I'm watching it, I'm kind of... I am more thinking, fuck me, can you imagine if you believe, you know, if you're if you're deeply religious, this film will be so disturbing. And I kept thinking, oh, can you imagine this in the 70s? Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did keep thinking about it. But saying that, I still genuinely believe it is a very disturbing film. Yeah. Very effective. It, it has a couple of... 30, it's got over 30 years old, you know what I mean? Nearly 30 years old. So over 30 years old. Fucking hell. Yeah, God, yeah. we're old. <laughs> it's over 30 years old, so... You know, in some bits, some of the makeup is a bit dodgy and that, but still, very effective film. Mm. And I remember, because I remember watching it when I was younger and thinking, it's a bit, a bit, probably thought it was more hilarious when I was younger. Yeah. And I watched it in my twenties, and I was like, God, that is genuinely shocking. It's genuinely yeah. disturbing. And then I was like, last night, I was thinking, is <clears throat> it? Or surely it can't be. And I watched it again. I was like, no, it is. It's yeah. 
brilliant. It's weird, yeah. It's it, it's weird that it, it, sometimes it does depend when you watch it. Although I, horror in general, I think, is quite subjective because there's loads of people I know who because um, a lot of who have seen a lot of my favorite horror films, things like The Exorcist, and one of one of one of the films that that scares me the most is stuff like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. A lot of these seventies ones. Um, I've, I've known loads of people who've seen it now and like, oh, it's shit, it's not scary at all, blah, blah, blah. It, it, can, be, it can be very subjective horror. But it, I guess it's all about, yeah, I mean, it's just all, like comedy, it's about what affects, well, not the same way as comedy, but it, it's about what affects you, it's what sort of... What you find... What, what you bring to yeah. it as well as what it brings to you sort of But thing. it's, yeah, I don't, I don't find it scary. And I was, you no. know, I'm never scared by it, but it's just unsettling. That's the yeah. thing, and it is just... And it, it's, the thing is, it, the world it creates is absolutely still believable. You know, and it kind of, you know, you it pulls it off. It's like you genuinely think she's sort of possessed. You know, you kind yeah. of buy into the world. Well, I do anyway. And um, and I and I kind of something else I mentioned, but the the kind of I, I the th- thing that makes it work for me is the, the obviously she's possessed by this demon, and it's the demon voice that comes out of her. Yeah. It feels like it's coming out of her. You know, you what even you watch films now, and then when you've got these. Voices coming out that isn't theirs. You can, I'm Batman. Yeah, <laughs> no, you know no, it kind of. <laughs> you can tell it's not them, and it don't. But it the, the lip syncing and the work on the the kind of sound of the voice coming. It it absolutely mm. works, and especially when you think of that the seventies film, you would think it would be even be cheaper. Where it's mm. clearly like you're not even well yeah. lip synced. And yeah, I mean it's they're experimenting with a lot of those techniques techniques in those days. A lot of the sort of um, uh, apocalypse now is quite revolutionary for using for using sort of sound design sound mixing stuff like that so it's all fresh sort of stuff i mean it's obviously sound had been around for a while but i think 70s was when they were really pushing the boundaries and seeing what they could do with the technology yeah. but it, mm. i think that if they if if it sounds like such a simple point that i'm bringing up like, like such a trivial thing but it is that voice that sells mm. it because you genuinely think it's coming out of her it doesn't feel silly yeah it doesn't feel like a dub no, it feels like it's coming. But you know what I mean? It sounds ridiculous, but that's what makes it work for me. I think. But um, yeah, cool. And you yeah. saw The Shining. What did you think? I saw The Shining. Uh, I I've I've seen The Shining quite a lot of times. Uh, but it's the first time I've seen it on a big screen. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I do like that film. And because I can remember the last time I saw it, because um, it used to really shit me up when I was a kid. It used to terrify me. Um, I can remember the last time I saw it, thinking it wasn't as scary as as before. I mean, you get all those things. I've seen a lot of horror films now and it's, I'm not that easily scared anymore. Uh, but I must admit, watching it on the big screen, um, I wouldn't say it, ter- it just certainly doesn't terrify me anymore, but it still did find it quite unsettling. A lot of the scenes did still sort of get to me. Um, yeah, but overall, I just I just love it. There's something about it. It's just such an odd film. It's, it's, I mean, like the first half, very little happens. It's very slow. The whole film is quite slow moving and deliberately sort of stilted. Everything in it is so sort of slow, but that's just how it works. It just gets under your skin and, and it just builds and builds and builds. And the finale is so sort of intense and just like bombastic and just like the music. I fucking love the soundtrack. It's so like, it's so harsh. I mean, it's obviously sort of over the top, but it's, but it's at the same time, it's quite a really interesting score because it's very abstract and very sort of discordant and stuff like that. And it's just, it just batters you down, and uh, and obviously you've got your classic scenes. You've got the the obviously red the, rum. The red rum and all the bit from that onwards when when it, when he gets the axe to the door and all that sort of shit. It's um, 
It's, I, I love it. It's um, I love the filming of that section. Yeah, and well, and yeah, I mean, speaking of filming, that is the one, the greatest thing about the film really is, is just, I mean, I mean, Stanley Kubrick, all of his films are like this, but he's just such a master of composition. The shots, just everything's so carefully shot and so much symmetry in that film and so much movement. Almost every shot is moving and it just, that is really what gives it this sort of, creepy sort of atmosphere along with the music no beer and, and no sound. tv make home or something <laughs> yeah. something and it's just i don't know it's just a beautiful film to watch i mean it's as i say it's an odd one and it, I, do I you do... accept the apology the what <laughs> do you accept the, apology? the apollo moon landings oh i, I haven't seen room 237 <laughs> i tell you what it made me desperately want to see it but um yeah yeah good because it is because it is such an odd film, you can you can I haven't seen I haven't seen it to say, but obviously Dream Two Three Seven is about people obsessing over it and finding loads of things in in the film, isn't it? It's more about the obsession. It's not about the making of the film at all. No, it's about crazy people. Um, but you can see it's one of those films where a lot of it doesn't really make sense, and so there's there's obviously a lot you can read into it. But part of me wonders whether it's more just that is just where the fear comes from, from not knowing what is going on. I used to remember when I was a kid. It didn't it was the that random little scene where uh, Shelley Duvall like goes um, uh, she goes upstairs and she sees that weird masked guy giving a blowjob to, uh, to the butler or whatever in 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 the bedroom. That used to scare the living shit out of me when I watched that. When it was is a that kid. because you she saw the same thing with you and dad? Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. It's it's because it was so random and so and it's like why has he got this mask on? It just used to freak me out it doesn't do that anymore i must admit now i just find it a little bit of comedy that bit but um but i think that's a lot of why it works is you don't really know what's going on and why things have happened and it's just i don't know i, I love it I, I, I do love it yeah i think the film is very interesting obviously the kind of ghost stuff and things like that you know i think it's very interesting i do find it a bit silly it is. I mean, I mean, there's a f- there, there are bits in the cinema, especially when you watch it at cinema audience, where you do laugh at it yeah, because it, it is ridiculous and it is so like so deliberately sort of off off beat and sort of like um, as I say, very stilted all the dialogue. Every and they, they'd talk, especially in the first half, they're just endlessly talking about how wonderful the hotel is and stuff, and it's 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 obviously forced, it's obviously over the top. But again, I think that's just. That is what it's going for, and for me, that's why it works because it it just seems a little bit wrong all the time, and it's I don't know, it's it's, it's an odd odd film. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, I thought we weren't going to talk about. Uh, have you seen any horror films, Damo? No, I haven't had a chance actually. I've not seen any uh, any this Halloween. Cool. Well, um, I'm off to watch Nightmare Before Christmas in 3D tomorrow. Awesome. Is that a Where's horror that film or a Christmas film? Both. Oh no, you got it on you. Yeah, you got your 3D telly. Awesome. that's the genius of it you watch it on you know you can watch it multiple times over like a three month period have you seen it 3D before no oh I saw it I saw it in the cinema 3D I know I missed ago. it I can't wait no, it's, um, it was pretty cool actually. I mean it's retrofitted obviously but it animation is quite great. animation's great in, it, in yeah. 3D um, to be honest I don't think it could be any better I think it's a it superb film yeah. it is yeah exactly it is um, yeah Frankenween is not as good as that but very similar very similar. I do love it. Okay, cool. Well, nice chat to you guys. Um... Oh, I'll quickly run through what's coming out in the next few weeks. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Um, today. <laughs> oh, no, yesterday. Uh, we got had Silent Hill Revelation 3D. Got a re-release of Rocky Horror Picture Show. I should know Darren, one of his favourites. Um, 
second of November, second of November, we have Excision, which is one I mentioned earlier, which I quite enjoyed. It's <laughs> worth a watch. Uh, the Shining is getting released, and I saw a little preview screening, but it comes out in a second properly. Uh, then we've got The Master, which I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, Paul, is it? I was, I was getting mixed up with the other Paul one. Thomas Paul Anderson. Thomas Anderson. It's PT, but it's not, yeah, anyway. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, we've got Rust and Bone coming out, which obviously won at London Film Festival for some reason. It's it was ridiculous. It wasn't that good. Um, then we've got For a Good Time Call, which is the sort of indie comedy about some girls who um, uh, set up a phone sex line in the bedroom. Um, then the 7th of November, we've got Argo, which I'm quite looking forward to, um, which is Ben Affleck's latest. Uh, 9th of November, we have uh, a lot of shit coming out. Um, Here Comes the Boom, a Kevin James mixed martial arts comedy. People Like Us, this cheesy looking drama. Uh, we've randomly got one that I just randomly came across called um, Grassroots. It's got Jason Biggs in it. It's like a comedy drama. But randomly, it's directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal, um, who I hadn't heard of before, but it's turned out he's been directing films quite a while. But he's the de- father of Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal. But anyway, interested me. They were in, he used to do like stoner comedies. They were in his films before Donnie oh, Darker and stuff. Yeah. Didn't realise. And then uh, there's Alps, which is from the director of Dogtooth, so I'm quite looking forward to that. I know you guys weren't as big a fan. Um, and then there's a documentary about Ray Harryhausen, special effects titan, which uh, should be good. I was always a fan of his movies back in my youth. Stop motion for a different purpose. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but that's what's coming out soon. So, yeah, as always, uh, check us out, blueprintreview.co.uk. Follow us at Facebook, facebook.com slash review. Follow us at Twitter, at BlueprintRev. Cool. And if uh, if anyone wants to email us themes that we'll skip, as usual, then um, email us, info at blueprintreview.co.uk. Cool. It's been a, been a long a long night. Um, it's half 12. I want some sleep. So, <laughs> see ya. See ya. Bye.